I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Paul. And I'm Rad, and welcome to Game 4 Anything, the podcast where we're disgustingly down for whatever comes around. This week we are talking about Payday 3, the new heist game from Starbreeze, and we're also talking about the Samsung Z Flip 5. Ooh, you say Z and not Z. What? Hang on. Like, do they have a specific preference in their little press kit? Or I don't know. I don't think about such things. I say whatever comes out of my mouth. I just, for some reason, thought it was going to be Z. X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, L, M, N, O, P. <laughs> we, can, we can cut this part. Well, if we sound a little bit dusty, it's because we spent last night sitting in a lobby playing Payday 3, which is the new Starbreeze heist game. Look, Payday 2 is a game, Rad, that I spent, I think, last count about 500 hours playing on Steam. I mean, this thing was a lifestyle choice at one point, and I don't know whether it's because my parents were both cops that I felt the need to sort of sink so much time. Yeah, they actually met on the police force. And I think you didn't know? No, I didn't know. And I also now feel bad for some of the things that I said while we were playing. (laughs) Yeah, you you did scream ACAB at one point. And I went, okay, cool. Well, that's... (laughs) That's what's happening here. Now, for those of you who don't actually know, Payday is a series of games that are first-person bank robbery simulators, effectively. So the the core premise is you and a bunch of other friends play a core cast of characters who rob banks for money. And as with any good heist film, you can choose to go quiet so you can go in and, you know, hack the cameras and knock guards out and zip-tie people and kind of get out without alarms going off. Or you can do it like in the film Heat, where it's just you, body armor, AKs, and about 400 police getting their heads blown off like piñatas. So it's a really fun co-op experience. Your team will be four people, and that can either be like you and some AI, or you can fill out the whole team. Uh, Mm. We have just been playing it with us two and then two AI bots, which suck because they don't pull their weight. Uh, But it it is a very fun game of like really good feeling gunplay. Uh, Graphically, it looks great. And there's a couple different types of heists that you can do. It's not just banks. You can rob jewelry stores and other stuff that I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really pay attention. I just am aware that I need to grab the bags and go. Yes. And Rad, as I discovered about you, the second things go wrong, you are more than willing to kill people. I mean, there was one point where I said, hey, I just need to enter the back of the bank to kind of cut the alarms. (laughs) I walked in there and there was like a string of dead civilians. And Rad said, well, look, it was either them or me. And that's reasonable. But it was terrifying. I now, every heist film has a U in it. Every heist film has that one completely loose unit that like Jeremy Renner in the town who is just slightly unhinged. And I respect your commitment to the character is what I'm saying. Look, it's really not my fault if things go south and I'm just here to do what needs to be done. 
And I won't apologize for that. I know, and I wouldn't have you apologize. What I found interesting about Payday 2 as a game is that by the end of its life cycle, the graphic engine was completely jank. I mean, you could run this thing on a toaster, but it had about 250 DLCs. So it had a lot of content. And as the years went on, it actually developed in a really interesting way. So last episode, you were talking about games that sort of get good eventually if you kind of stick around. And Payday 3 is, I'm hoping it, does what Payday 2 did. I'm hoping it becomes the game that it actually is. Sometimes I'll buy a board game and it has the kind of starter set where it kind of gets you started with a few basic fundamentals. But really, you sort of need to buy it all to get the overall picture. So Payday 3 starts with, I think it has eight core heists and they range from your basic bank robbery to an art gallery. There's one weird one at a nightclub where you've got to like download a bunch of cryptocurrency before it gets uploaded to the mainframe or whatever. Yeah. We're in 2023, yeah. It really is. And what's interesting about Payday Rad is that once we start getting player lobbies and voice chat, you will learn the average demographic of the Payday player is probably an Elon Musk fan. I mean, sometimes you get pretty <laughs> gross dudes playing this game. I'm not disparaging. I am disparaging them. That's clearly disparaging. <laughs> but sometimes the game does unfortunately feed into that kind of narrative. There was an art gallery quest where your handler starts sort of disparaging modern art and young people in a way that feels very like a really edgy hot take. But the actual gameplay loop is also significantly different from the last game. So you've got infinite zip ties, stealth is way more forgiving, talent trees have been boiled down. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but it means if you're a bit of a Payday 2 purist, and there are a lot of Payday 2 purists out there, this might feel like a really odd, uh, crowd-pleasing version of the game you grew to love. I find that very interesting because I played quite a lot of Payday 1 and 2, but it's Mm. been so long that I wouldn't say that I remember all those kind of like more minute mechanics and details. I just remember the general experience and vibe of it. So you saying stuff like unlimited zip ties and different talent trees, I have absolutely no memory. All I remember is rushing into banks and shooting up people. That is completely fair. But would you agree that limitations create interesting gameplay moments like for example in the game right now in payday 3 you and i encountered this if you start killing guards you then have to sort of pick up their radio and answer a call to placate like central control or whatever and that you get three cracks at that before they get wise in the old game you only had a certain amount of zip ties on you which again zip ties don't take up much space but it was a cute way of making you go i can only take like three or four civilian prisoners whereas We robbed a bank a couple of hours ago, and I think we zip-tied about 50 people. Now, at no point rendered on my character's belt was a bundle the size of a a keg of beer of zip-ties. And sure, it doesn't break the illusion or anything, but the lack of a limitation in that department does kind of change the gameplay loop a little bit, I think. Yeah, I agree. And look, I think that that is also something that could be easily patched. I would love if this was the type of game that had a bunch of different settings in it that almost allow you to set, you know, how many zip dies do you get? How many uh, radio calls do you get? Because that's a Mm. simple thing that at least in like a custom lobby can really let you have fun in the way that you want to have fun. And for what's essentially a party game, I think that, well, would we call it a party game? Look, I'm going to. For what's essentially, <laughs> for what's essentially a party game, uh, I think that that's like just the right way to let people have fun on their own terms. Yeah, I've often swayed because I'm a Souls player, so I often get dragged into games should be easy or hard or there should be difficulty modes or whatever. Now, you can set the difficulty in a payday 
lobby. But I think, I do think we're correct. I think this game is going to get good. And I feel like we're at the beginning of a sort of... <laughs> I didn't use get good on purpose, but I did see your face when I did. I think... No, I, it, was, it was you saying, I think we're right. <laughs> I, think, I think we are right. I think, I think we're right. Look, if this game is like Payday 2, then the next... Oh, God. I hate projecting forward now in the year of our Lord 2023 because all we've got to look forward to is the apocalypse and Coke Y3000. But I think I think the game is going to end up in a really good place. And it's maybe it's like getting on at early access stage. Maybe we're all just sort of on the ground floor of something that would be great one day. But I enjoy it. Look, I, I enjoyed robbing these banks. My dad was really upset though. Him and mum actually met on the force and one of their sort of getting together stories was they were doing this patrol around North Sydney and they hadn't really known each other that long. And dad was driving and they got a call about a bank robbery, uh, I think in St. Leonard's. And so dad guns it and starts driving really recklessly. I mean, he drifts through a bollard at one point, he jumps a flight of stairs and then they pull up at front of this. Uh, Actually? This, this, yeah, yeah, seriously. So he comes to a stop in front of this bank, but he kind of mistimed it. So there's a specific radius around a bank where when there's a robbery in progress, you're not meant to drive inside that radius. Otherwise, you, you could come under fire. It's like it's a fireable offense, basically. It puts everyone in danger. And because Dad was showing off, he pretty much drifted straight through that invisible zone and right up to the steps of the bank. Now, it turns out it was a false alarm, but Mum kind of had this weird moment where she was like, this guy's either very brave or very stupid. And um, they, were in, they were engaged two weeks later. So maybe driving... I don't understand. I think that's too soon, Dad. I think two weeks is too soon. How long had they known each other? I think it was like two days before that. So they knew each other what? two weeks. Yeah, it was a two-week window from when they met to when they were engaged. That's bonkers. I don't think it's... I think it's really weird. That reminds me of Speed. The movie Speed? Or the concept? The hit film starring <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And how there's the whole, you know, they're on a bus, there's a bomb on the bus, bus can't mm -hmm. slow down. Otherwise the bomb will go off. That is the entire premise of the film. But yeah. there's a scene right at the end where, Ke spoiler alert, Keanu and Sandra kiss. <gasps> um, and they have a little back and forth line about how their relationship is essentially trauma bonded uh, based on a really high adrenaline moment that yeah. they share and thus yeah. is unlikely to last. And I feel like that is the emotion that your parents uh, went into their engagement with. I do think so. And they're still together, which is really nice, but trauma bonded is an interesting phrase that I'm going to, I'm going to float at dad and see what he thinks. It did not come from me. No, I understand. And I completely agree. But I would be very curious to see what my ex-cop dad would make of a game in which I just, what would be fun is watching him play the game because he's played games where he played Firewatch he's played Stanley Parable he, he likes kind of those are slightly different vibes yes but I wouldn't tell him that I would play it super quiet and slow and sneaky sneaky and then when the cops arrive I would want to watch his decision making process as the cops start coming in and shooting at him would he go oh I should probably go Paul I gotta go or would he go I've always wanted to do this and then he just I don't know like what would a cop's reaction be to a game in which the cops are the bad guys because they are in this game um I think that that is a deeply philosophical question but I would answer that by saying that I am of the belief that most people 99% of people are able to delineate between real life and works of fiction which this mm -hmm. is. And I think that whilst most people do enjoy some element of reality in their fiction, they like it to feel grounded. They might 
like playing RPG games where they're making decisions that feel in line with themselves. I don't think that most people go into it um, thinking that they have to behave how they would behave in real life. I think that there's sort of a blurry veil that goes over that you just kind of go, those are the bad guys, this is my goal, and that's just what I'm doing. Which is to say, I'm not sure that I think that your dad would moralize uh, whether or not he should shoot back at the armored fellas that are shooting at him, regardless of what their shirt says. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, there are a lot of police in this game, by the way. I mean, a lot. I mean, I honestly think that by the end of a single heist, you may have depleted the entire police force of a large city. I mean, it's like a hundred and they keep coming. It is a well-funded police force. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really a nuanced political commentary on the militarization of the police in the current uh, US climate, yeah. I think. Yeah, in that city, we know where those taxpayer dollars are going. Yeah, and it's New York in, this, in Payday 3. It's a surprisingly left city, and yet their police force have AKs and tanks. So I... <laughs> It's a really, in that respect, it's a very smart game, I think, right? Well, speaking of smart, I want to talk about a new smartphone. Oh, good segue. Oh, thank you so much. I was I was trying to figure out how I was going to segue and you handed it to me on a platter. I don't even think you meant to. Natural. <laughs> well, a little while ago, Samsung's Z Flip 5 came out. Now, they've got two foldable phones on the market. One is the Fold, which is opens like a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one, the Flip, opens like your classic clamshell flip phone except the whole thing on the inside is a screen wouldn't that like sorry to sound like a quantum level boomer but wouldn't that break the screen (laughs) i think we've well and truly established who the tech person is on this podcast (laughs) yeah it's me asking the hard (laughs) questions thank you technology has come a long way in the last couple of years screens are doing really cool stuff right now they have managed to make flexible and also rollable screens. So essentially the part on the hinge of these phones is a flexible screen and then the rest of it is flat. So it's just got the one part that hinges and, and folds. Right. So it's not the whole screen. I mean, the whole screen doesn't flex. It potentially could because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think that they would make like one part of the screen as a normal standard screen and mm. then try to transition it to a foldable part and then again i don't know for sure all i know is that when you use it that yep. little middle hinge part is the bit that is flexible so it's really really cool futuristic feeling technology and i've been very interested in it from the jump uh, i did have a fold 3 that i didn't really enjoy using because when it's folded shut it's really really bulky And when it's open, it just feels like a weird aspect ratio. But the flip to me seemed like the one, seemed like the go, because you fold it in half and then it becomes super pocketable. It's like, oh, maybe half the size of a standard phone. 
but then a bit thicker, which makes sense, actually, because it folds in half. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm smart sometimes. And, <laughs> and the new things with the Flip 5 uh, is that it folds flat when it's closed because previously it was kind of a little bit of a wedge at the at the um, hinge part. Mm. Uh, so that's just kind of like a nice design thing. And then the front screen when it's closed is now properly big. It like covers that whole front area. So you can re- respond to messages on it. You can see your calendar. You can see the weather. It's a lot more functional. And it to me felt like this may be the moment. This might be the point at which I leave the Apple ecosystem <gasps> and get a Samsung Z Flip 5. Didn't you say last episode that you've made the jump to the new titanium burn-up on re-entry phone from iPhone? Are you could or could you live in both worlds at once? I couldn't because that's a waste of money. But after having a loan review phone from Samsung, it has convinced me that no, I am not going to get one myself. I'm not gonna drop my own money for one, uh, which I'm kind of disappointed about. But here is my reasoning. Number one. The camera, in my opinion, just doesn't look that great. Neither the front-facing camera or the rear-facing camera. And that's what most phones get sold on nowadays. Now, you can do the really cool thing where you have it flipped half open like an L, Mm. and then it's like got its own stand so that you can make TikToks or, I don't know, make gym videos or video calls. I'm trying to think of things you could use it for. It's like an inbuilt stand. It's cool. That sounds cool, but why a flip phone? Why why would you want a flip phone over a regular, I say regular, over just like a regular smartphone? Like what's the actual appeal beyond being able to kind of open it and close it? And does that provide any actual functional support other than, like you said, a stand sometimes? Paul, it's cool. Okay, that see that's that's it. It's it's because it's cool. All right, that's fine. And you know okay, what? It's no. <laughs> that's valid. Like this, that's totally valid. It's three things. One, it's cool. Two, the stand thing. Three, when you fold it, it is really small, so you can fit it in like your front pocket of the jeans, which mm-hmm. I cannot do uh, with any standard smartphone that I've ever used. So it's just I don't know. It's another option on the market, and I love tech enough that I want to be chasing the cool new stuff. So. It really, really appealed to me. But with the camera not being quite up to scratch for me, Samsung cameras, in my opinion, always look a little bit oversaturated, a little bit hyped. But this one also didn't quite have the quality and resolution that they have in their flagship kind of S20 series. It just didn't quite hit the mark for me. And then I figured out that I kind of don't like having to unfold my phone to use it. Oh, that's interesting. I've been craving a specific phone, which is deeply impractical lately. And that is the Nokia 7110, which is the spring-loaded phone that they use in the Matrix. You know, that kind of old school Nokia where it like goes, it like it deploys the bottom of the phone. Do you remember that one? Like they slide apart? Yeah, but it was like spring-loaded. So you pressed it and you just, basically you pull the phone out and it goes, shunk, and then you ask for an exit. Like it was this, it was the most late 90s thing in the world and yet completely impractical. And then I got a friend who bought a sort of retrofitted USB-operated Bakelite landline. So he now makes, he phones people from his home phone. These are all impractical things that technically get in the way of a phone call. But like you said, it's kind of cool. So would you be willing to make that trade-off as a lifestyle choice? Oh, inside me there are two wolves. One of them 
absolutely froths functionality and efficiency and the other one desperately wants to be cool. Okay. But I think that I think that for something that is expensive yeah. and that you use every single day constantly Really, you just want to be reducing friction points. You don't want to be having anything that feels even the slightest bit irritating. And this is why I am willing to spend disgusting money on a phone, because if you calculate it out as paying $1 per hour of use that you're getting out of this device, mm. there is no amount of money too much that you can pay for a phone. That's true, but... I'm also a fan of vinyl. I mean, I'm obsessed with vinyl. I love vinyl. Now, vinyl is technically filled with impediments between me and the music, but the impediments provide a sort of a haptic mouthfeel moment in my brain where I feel good. And you you make filter coffee, like all these little things which are technically more labor intensive. Isn't it possibly not worth having a thing that you pull out, flip open and work a bit more. Do you know what I'm saying? I totally, totally understand what you're saying. But I think that the appeal of those kinds of tactile experiences, so like vinyl, film photography, Mm. there's an artistry and a ritual to them. So there's a ritual to going and taking a vinyl out of its sleeve, carefully placing it down, carefully picking up the tone arm and placing it. And there's a degree of concentration and mindfulness Mm. that needs to go into that moment to play your music. And then there's also a further connection with the music when you need to flip the record. There's also obviously all of the extra stuff of the fidelity of analog, the warmth of it, etc. There, for me, aren't any of those elements with just a digital flip phone. It's it's yeah. more novelty. Um, it is convenience of it having an inbuilt stand. However, you can, of course, just buy a stand for your phone. <laughs> there are cases yes. that do that nowadays. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, it de- definitely does work better with the flip, like just being inbuilt. I don't really like any of the cases that have stands on them, but it's not enough, baby. It ain't enough. I understand. I mean, when my friend told me about this phone, he's like, "You literally have to get that, you know, the round thing where you mm. dial it." When you, you know, when anyone had like a like a nine in their number, and that's the longest wait between when you get the number all the way around and have to listen to it rotate all the way back. This is like describing hieroglyphs to people below twenty, by the way. So. <laughs> Making a phone call took time and you actually had to remember numbers. And it's not that I applaud that level of inconvenience, but when he made a phone call, he he said it took me 90 seconds to make the phone call. He said it was just nice to hold a phone again. Felt like a very kind of fun analog experience. But I'm pretty sure that if you call people a lot, which I kind of don't anymore, but if you call people a lot, that would start to become deeply inconvenient. So maybe the flip phone is inconvenient. I think it's got its place perhaps in the life of someone who still needs those moments to slow down. It, it would be a very different use case of a phone to how I use my phone, which is mm. constantly. Yeah, if you look at like playing vinyl, that is a moment for you to, you know, take a second and do something slowly. Same with that rotary phone that you're talking about. It's a moment for you to just do something slowly, but that's not how we use our smartphones anymore. We don't get the luxury of like, oh, I'm mindfully going to open up my phone and flip it. <laughs> like, you've just got stuff you got to do. And often I'm trying to use it one handed. I'm like trying to pull it out of my pocket so I can see my grocery list as I'm wandering around the store aimlessly and trying mm. to flip it open with one hand while being worried that I'm going to drop it and then needing to navigate to like, it's just a little bit too much. It's not quite what I want out of a device in the way that I use it. Having said that, Mm. having said all of that, Paul, 
God damn it if I don't love technology. Like, holy shit, it's cool that this thing can fold in half and it's still a screen. Yes, there is still a bump, but it is getting better. And I don't know if this is anything more than a cool novelty that still works well enough to, like, be a phone. But, oh, shit, I'm glad they're making it. Please don't stop. Your enthusiasm is completely relatable. I have a friend who he grew up loving Dick Tracy, you know, the old kind of yellow trench coated detective from the comics. And there was a film based on him. Anyway, Dick Tracy's whole thing was he had like a like a phone in his watch. And this is the 1920s in New York. And he'd kind of get a call from dispatch. And it was a very big deal to have a phone in your watch. My friend now has a custom made Apple watch that he can speak into like Dick Tracy. And he has the trench coat and stuff. And he's like, look, this is very stupid. This is a specific novelty, but it just makes me happy. So let me enjoy it. And I, I relate to that. Okay. Completely. Yes. I think novelty is a really important part of life and wherever we can find it, like bloody go for it. Just do be aware that if you choose to purchase this phone, if you're anything like me, i.e., deeply impatient and constantly on your phone, you might find it <laughs> a little bit annoying. But it is very satisfying to close. I will give it that. You know what else is satisfying to close? This episode. Thank you oh! so much for listening to another episode. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of Game for Anything. My name is Rad. I'm Paul. And uh, we'll see you next time when we're going to talk about other stuff that we love. Just took that ending and drove it into a... I didn't know where I was going with it. I, I'll admit it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.